Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey y'all, I'm Taryn Finley, a senior culture reporter at HuffPost, and this is I Know That's Right, a weekly podcast about the latest in culture, entertainment, and trending conversations. Get ready, y'all. We're going to a place where mainstream news and the wild west of internet culture collide. From the news that makes us say, I know that's right, to the mess you know is dead wrong. I'm breaking down the week that was, and we've got so much to talk about. Woo! Then, as always, I'll bring in a guest for an in-depth conversation. This week, I'll be diving into the problematic ways we talk about celebrity black women's well-being in relationships. I'll be joined by none other than BuzzFeed senior black culture editor, Morgan Morrell. This is I Know That's Right. I know that's right. But first, if you've been conscious this past week, you already know who this week's I Know That's Right is going to. None other than Beyonce Giselle Knows Carter for how she showed up and showed out with Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Huh. Oh my God. Like I'm still trying to collect all of my edges. Um, I'm trying to recover. I am not well. The girl did it. The girls did it. I'm just, I'm spent. And before you ask, yes, I was one of the girls who spent $80 on a movie ticket plus merch to watch a concert in a movie theater that I already paid $500 to see in person and bought a $40 shirt after already paying $50 for a shirt in a mystery box with a CD before I even listened to the damn album. Yes, that was me. Hi. Hello. And I don't regret it, baby. It was so worth it. I walked out of that theater, y'all, like Monique at the 2004 BET Award. Beyonce! Okay, girl. For three hours, three glorious hours. At first, I was dreading it. I'm not going to lie. I don't like to be in confined spaces in public for too long. But this three hours was so worth it. Beyonce takes us on a journey behind the making and production of her record-breaking Renaissance World Tour. And she said that it took four years to create this show in between scenes of seeing her absolutely fuck up the stage with heated with literally all the hits from renaissance with all of the cuts and glamour and outfit changes and the blue ivies and all of that in between all of that we get an intimate look into seeing where beyonce's headspace was in her most recent era Beyonce doesn't talk to us anymore. So I was just not only stunned, but also kind of grateful that we got to see Beyonce humanize herself in such a glorious way. It felt relatable. It felt inspiring. It felt touching. I laughed. I cried. I went with my girls and we got our lives. Uh, There's so much packed into these three hours, but I have... Really, a few big takeaways. Firstly, I loved how humanizing this film was for Beyonce. Yes, she's an icon, but she's also a daughter, a mother, a sister, a friend, a woman. And she reminded us of all of that. She takes us in Renaissance, the film, through her personal ups and downs and preparing for and getting to this place. I mean, y'all, she performed through an injury. She had a whole surgery on her knee. And I'm just like, okay, both me and Beyonce got a bad knee. Got it. Relatable. <laughs> More than anything, y'all know she's a Virgo. She gave herself the grace in the room to not be perfect. 
And that just feels like such a level up and so different than these other stages of Beyonce that we've seen since she's had her solo career. I have to point out one moment that really stands out. These men, they not only have women fucked up, period, but they have Beyonce fucked up as well, which really just blows my mind. So in one scene there, she's talking to camera crew and they had the audacity to question her decision. She's asking the crew if there's a wider camera lens that they can use. One man just says flat out no. Like, how you going to tell Beyonce no? What? And she's there and she's like, oh, actually, there is. And I know because we looked it up. So let's use this fisheye that I found on the Internet. He's like, oh, OK, got it. Bitch, I hollered. OK, shut his ass up immediately. And then they absolutely use that damn wide fisheye camera. Yep. Mm-hmm. No questions asked after that. And then, of course, another point learning even more so that blue ivy is the girl that we always knew she was at 11 years old sis niece i'm looking up to you niece i'm looking up to this little girl i really shed a tear every time she was on screen i mean we go through the journey of how she even got a chance to perform on stage I mean of course like Beyonce's her mom like does she would let her perform on stage but no like Beyonce was very honest about the fact that she was reluctant because she didn't want Blue to feel like this was an opportunity just being given to her but Blue was like no like I want to do this I'll work very hard I'll show you mom Beyonce's like okay one show she comes out one show and because people are the haters that they are and have been hating on Blue Ivy since she was born. It was no surprise that they were being ugly on social media after her first performance. What gagged me, Blue read those dusty ass comments and said, oh, I'll just practice and get better. It's no problem. And that's exactly what Miss Mamas did too. She rose to the occasion time and time and time and time again. And over the summer, we had the privilege to witness her become better, become more confident in her moves and in her talent. And also be shocked and lean into the praise that she got from that. I really felt like a proud auntie in that moment. And like I said, there are so many moments that I can tease out from this film but I'm lastly really going to touch on Uncle Johnny Uncle Johnny made my dress oh my god like God bless her late Uncle Johnny who was the inspiration behind this liberating acclaimed album celebrating black queerness and freeness the way that she paid tribute to her Uncle Johnny was just so beautiful I knew that Mama Tina made Destiny's Child's outfits because the Dusty Fashion brands acted like they didn't want to dress some curvy country Southern girls who were coming up in the game. I knew that she was the one, but I didn't know that Uncle Johnny was the two. I did not know that he was right there along with her, helping make Destiny's Child's outfits, helping her sew, helping her put so much time and intention into their outfits. It just was really beautiful. Beyonce in the film paid even more homage by wearing the infamous dress that she sings about on Heated that Uncle Johnny made. And y'all, she wore this dress in high school and can still fit it today at 42. I'm just like, Woo, okay, girl. All right, all right. In the spirit of Uncle Johnny and in the spirit of ballroom, just uplifting and giving flowers to the icons who haven't received them, like Kevin Jay-Z Prodigy, who is the voice of Renaissance. She shined a light on him as well as the up and coming kids. Like seeing Honey Balenciaga, I, now when I went to go see uh, Renaissance in New York. Honey Balenciaga was still recovering from surgery, but like to see these young performers get their shine and get their light, I could go on and on. I just, it was just amazing. Again, I laughed, I cried, I felt so inspired walking out of the theater. And in its first weekend, it hit number one. 
number one, y'all, it's opening weekend and made $22 million in counting. And I say in counting because I'm about to go see it again this weekend, child. Okay. She's taking so much of my money from me. And honestly, I'm kind of ready to give more. I, I Y'all, I know like problematic fave, but girl, I feel like a brand new woman. Now on to the story that I don't think is quite right this week. And it's this tired ass feud between Wendy and NECA of Real Housewives of Potomac. If you aren't caught up with this newest season, there's a new cast member, an attorney named NECA Ihim. Now, she's the second Nigerian cast member on Potomac. Wendy Osefo is also Nigerian and from jump they haven't seen eye to eye I mean like the scene where they were introduced was just very weird and as viewers it just wasn't clear to us whether they had actually been in the same circles or known each other prior to the show it it just I ain't like it that's weird it gets weirder so it started out with confusion and got even worse when castmate Ashley Darby pulled Wendy aside and told her that NECA was talking about Wendy's family being Osu, meaning that they were cursed and ostracized from their Nigerian community. Ashley admitted to fabricating NECA's comments later on in the show while she was relaying them to Wendy, but the train had already left the station, y'all. Like... Ashley, come on now. Come on. And since then, NECA has alleged that Wendy's mom has a shrine that she uses to hex her. In a preview Bravo released from next week's episode, Wendy says that NECA smoked crack when she was in LA and that's why she must be saying these things. And uh, it's just so much. The husbands are involved in beefing off of Wendy's husband allegedly unfriending NECA's husband on Facebook baby it's just so much mind you this all started with a game of telephone brought to you by not only Ashley Darby some of the women's family members that it's confusing to me because it's like not even NECA or Wendy themselves are the source of this it feels like now some folks are team Wendy saying that NECA is using her for a storyline and other folks are team NECA saying that Wendy is lying about knowing her and didn't want her on the show from jump. I'm telling y'all right now I'm team everybody shut the hell up. This is reality TV, right? So there's bound to be petty drama, but I really feel like we're wasting airtime on this ugly beef. So former Real Housewives of Atlanta producer Carlos King had a theory about this on his show about how tensions might have started. And I have to say that he just might be right. When NECA was auditioning for Potomac, she told the producers, allegedly, oh, I know Wendy. I know Wendy and my husband actually knows Eddie. They went to the same school together. And then the producer said, oh, my gosh. Hey, Wendy, do you know NECA? Who? NECA so-and-so. I mean, we met once or twice, but I don't know her like that. Well, can you bring her in? No, I'm not bringing her in. I got somebody else I can bring in who I'm cool with. Yes, Jasmine, reaction. Wendy was probably like, nah, I don't know her like that to bring her in as my friend because I know how this show works. This feud is especially unfortunate because I know that Wendy especially has been prideful of her Nigerian heritage and on platforms like Bravo that isn't always showcased this representation is so needed but I feel like it's a wasted opportunity to have these two women who are not only both Nigerian but from the same tribe two Igbo women arguing about voodoo and shrines and 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 just bullshit I'm really confused as to how we got to the point where these women are weaponizing cultural stereotypes against each other. We can do so much more. We can educate people who don't know about Igbo culture, who don't know about Nigerian traditions, about about just anything else other than stereotypes. If you're going to talk about voodoo and shrines, like talk about it within the nuance and context that it deserves. This beef is just so random and intense. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? I really enjoy Potomac. In my opinion, it's the best Real Housewives franchise that we have on right now. But we can't possibly drag this out all season, y'all. 
I'm already bored. Y'all got one episode. Y'all got one more episode to wrap this shit up because I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of it. Get it together. Period. And finally, y'all know the dead wrong of the week comes last. And I'm just going to go ahead and make this really quick because this is a point that's been bothering me. It's been bothering me for years, okay? This one goes out to all of the gamers out there. Like I said, I'm gonna make this quick. Rockstar Games, you're dead ass wrong, okay? You're dead ass fucking wrong. After years of us sitting around waiting for some type of news, confirmation, a crumb of information, y'all gave us the best goddamn video game trailer of the century with Grand Theft Auto 6 and have the nerve to tell us we have to wait to play it until 2025. Get a fucking grip. That trailer looks so goddamn real, y'all. I felt like I was in the club. There's grills. There's BBLs bouncing on the hood of cars. There's a bad bitch who just got out of jail and her man as the protagonist it's giving bonnie and clyde for real like miami version and i know i just know it i feel it in my heart of hearts that that soundtrack is about to be amazing but me and all the gamer girlies out there we have to wait until we're 65 goddamn years old to play at rockstar y'all are so childish for withholding us from us for so damn long it's been more than 10 years since we got Grand Theft Auto 5. And y'all are gonna sit here and make us wait another year and some change? I'm mad as hell. That is exactly why y'all trailer leaked a day early. Now excuse me while I go watch this trailer goddamn again for the 16th time. I'll see y'all in 2025. Getting on my fucking nerves. Ugh. That's it for the headlines this week. Now. Y'all know I want to hear what y'all have to say about these stories, right? Hit me up on socials at underscore tearing it up and let's continue the conversation over there. And remember, keep it real cute because I block, okay? Next up, I'll be bringing in BuzzFeed senior culture editor Morgan Morrell to discuss social media's problem when it comes to black women celebs talking about their relationships with men. Stay tuned because more I Know That's Right is coming up. Welcome back to I Know That's Right, y'all. I'm here to complain specifically about an ugly trend that I've noticed over the past few weeks that isn't new, but has definitely felt. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Especially heavy and overwhelming. And that trend isn't really a trend but it's how we talk about black women celebrities and their relationships with trash men now like I said it's not a new thing but I feel like we've been on a roll in recent months it started out with Jada Pinkett Smith talking about how her and Will Smith are essentially separated and expressing how he's not been a good partner to her and as much as we're exhausted with their stories about the relationship Jada has become a villain on social media with people implying that she's done Will dirty and is evil. And I'm not sure if that's accurate or fair. Over the next few weeks, we saw Kiki Palmer foul a restraining order against her allegedly abusive ex, Darius Jackson. We saw Party drop a diss track to his ex, Megan Thee Stallion, after she opened up about getting cheated on without naming him, might I add. And being depressed, like, and of course, I can't cover this story without mentioning the horrifying lawsuit filed on behalf of Cassie against Diddy. The very reactions I saw to these stories were somewhere between silence from folks who usually like the drag women otherwise, and others just calling these women out for being quote unquote thirsty, 
attention seeking or gold diggers. Like I said, it's ugly. It's rooted in sexism and I'm tired of it. So we're going to talk about it. Joining me to break down the Internet's obsession with picking apart black women in their relationships is BuzzFeed senior black culture editor Morgan Morrell. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm so glad it's Friday. I'm glad it's Beyonce Day. I'm, I'm just happy. <laughs> OK, happy Beyonce Day to all of those who celebrate and all of those who don't, because it's still Beyonce Day. I'm really glad that you could join me for this talk specifically. I know that you do a lot of reporting on the celebrity in and out. So you're familiar with the stories that I just mentioned. What were your initial thoughts hearing kind of like the these stories listed out in a row just now and how we've seen them play out in the public reaction to them over the past few weeks? It's sad. It's aggravating. It's like, again, and then it's also like, will we ever get a chance to get a break, to breathe? Will we ever get the support that we need? Whether you're just like a normal Black girl on the street to these celebrities that we talk about every day, it's like the support is just not there no matter what. Even when the evidence is given to you on a silver platter, <laughs> somehow we still come out the villain. And I don't I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't understand either. And especially when it comes because we know that these stories kind of run on a gamut. Right. We have the stories of, you know, just guys being trash or not good partners to the stories about actual harm and abuse and to see essentially a lot of backlash in the media towards the women more so than the men a lot of times. It it can be, even as someone who works in the media, it can be frustrating. I'm wondering, like, as a Black woman covering these stories, how does that affect you? Um, it affects me because one, in this business, um, let's say if there was mistreatment, um, it honestly makes you a little hesitant to speak out um, because you're going to assume that this is how you're going to be treated once you say something, um, because it seems like the men are held on such a pedestal <laughs> um, that when the women speak out, it's like, oh, she's just trying to do it for attention. She just wants money, all these other things. Um, but the only excuse they don't give us is that, oh, maybe she's actually hurting. It, that, that never comes into play. It's always we have an ulterior motive. Um, and again, it just makes me sad and it makes me frustrated because we're ultimately being silenced. So generally, what what have you noticed usually about the public's reaction when these women or others like them tell their stories and use their voices to speak out about their experiences in their relationships? It's usually a negative <laughs> response. Um, I'm just going to go with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, now, I read both memoirs, Will's Will memoir and then Jada's Worthy. Um, and what people, I don't know if it's because they didn't read Will's book, but Will literally <laughs> spoke about the separation in his book. He spoke about not um, like giving Jada or like loving her in her love language. He spoke about that, like just doing things that he thought she would like instead of doing things that she liked. Like if he if she mentioned, oh, not wanting a party. He went ahead and threw her party anyway. But then it's like when Jada tells it in her words, it's like, what? Why wouldn't you appreciate the party? He's giving you, I didn't want one. <laughs> so why should I be vilified? Because I didn't want a party. Um, obviously, there were more topics discussed in the books, but it's just like, it seems when it comes from our mouths, our meaning women, um, I don't know. Everyone seems to turn against us or pick apart everything that we've said or done and used it against us somehow. I don't even know if I answered your question. No, 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 you absolutely <laughs> did. And I'm glad that you brought up Jada specifically in the, um, in her marriage with Will, because I'm not even going to lie. Uh, my initial reaction when I found out that she was coming out with the book and had that, you know, explosive interview on the Today Show, you know, revealing, however, not really revealing because, it was out there in public information via Will's book a few years ago. But, you know, when we all kind of double backed and realized like, oh, y'all are 
separated but still married but don't plan on getting a divorce but like what is that i think that my my initial reaction was you know it kind of fell in that group think of why are you talking to us again jada about this relationship we don't want to hear about it it's exhausting to the point where even like going back to thinking about the red table talk um, episode with her and Will. I'm like, y'all are deceptive because why didn't y'all tell us about this then? But then I, I, I think as the the press run kind of you know played out, as I took a beat, and also and also kind of like heard the perspectives of others who were like, why are we piling up on Jada? I had to interrogate, you know, my own views of like, okay. Why is Jada the villain here? You know, because I think that the way that we dogpiled on Jada just wasn't fair and was really rooted in seeing her as one side and seeing Will, especially because Will has historically for us been very much like, oh, he's the Fresh Prince. Oh, he's Chipper. He's this idealistic version of a black actor in Hollywood and the pinnacle and and why are you doing him dirty and all of that but it it was harder for us because Jada didn't necessarily have that image and you know was seen as like you know like she's a bad bitch and I say Mm -hmm. that in like the most positive way but bad bitches don't always end up getting you know we we don't always get that grace Yes, and I'm glad you touched on that, uh, Will's history of just being Hollywood's, you know, best man. He's a seen as this good guy, an angel in Hollywood. And, you know, before the infamous Hollywood slap, like nobody would have pictured he would ever do something like that. Um, so he's always had that image. And then I think <laughs> the whole um, Red Table talk, I think that really set the tone for a lot of people when it came to Jada. And I think since then, that's they continue to pile on because, um, you know, they saw her. And again, they didn't know their situation. Nobody knew that they were separated at the time, um, that they were doing their own thing. Now, Will hasn't talked about if he's been with anyone else. And that's fine. I think another thing with celebrities, we really feel entitled. And sometimes we have to take a step back. Like, this is not our relationship. Yes, they've given us information, but they don't have to give us all the information. So when we're like, well, why don't they? They don't have to. They do not have to. Whether they choose to or not is up to them. The little bits that they give us is what we should be taking, and that's it. So, um, but in the book, she, you know, reveals that they were separated at the time. She did start messing with August or whatever. And I think when people found out about that, I think they assumed she either cheated or something. So now that image is on her head. Now, years later, she's coming out with a book. They're like, oh, why does she keep coming out with this stuff? If people are going to buy a book, they want to know, like the, you know, the the clickbaity headlines. They want to know what they're getting. They did the same thing with Britney Spears, but nobody, nobody was attacking her. They they went for Justin. (laughs) Talk about it. Talk about it. They all went and piled on Justin. And, you know, Britney's dad and stuff like that. But when um, for Jada's book, when she was doing the same thing, coming out with the clickbaity stuff just to get your attention to promote the book, it all turned against her. So I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. The math ain't mapping. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And that that was also a thing that kind of made me pump my brakes of like, OK, all right. And also no shade like the book. It was juicy. Like Britney's book was juicy. However, it was it wasn't written well and like i'm i'm just gonna go ahead and like it was like little put, snippets like very yeah mm-hmm. yeah very much so very much so so it's it's just like you know to to see that time and effort that you know jada and also like how how hard it is to put yourself out there and i think you mm-hmm. make a good point about you know last week we had um, Ruthie Samuel on to talk about parasocial relationships and kind of like how we view celebrities as ours in a way when it's like, no, these are these are people. And I think about specifically the way that we talk about who should be with who or who shouldn't mm-hmm. be with who in mm-hmm. the whole conversation of Halle Bailey and DDG. 
the rumors that she may or may not be pregnant and you know all of that and telling her like oh this this isn't a good guy you this isn't someone you should have a child with and on the other hand people are telling tia maori since she's been complaining about how there's piss in the the dating pool (laughs) to get back with Corey hardrick which is it's really wild and it, it it's like why do we do this to women why don't we have that same energy with men Right, right. And I just saw something about Tia because, you know, they were posted up together for the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why people can't grasp the idea of (laughs) co-parenting and coming together for the holidays. Can all families make it work like that? No. Um, But they were able to. And that's all it really is. Um, But people were like, when they saw that thing together and then a fake headline, I think, came out was like, oh, they're getting back together or working on getting back together. And then someone wrote, yeah um tia realized you know she was too old to get back in the dating pool so she just went back to what she knew and i'm like why is that <laughs> why is nobody that says going? nobody says that about men nobody says no. oh leonardo dicaprio you're pushing 50 you're too old to get back into the dating pool no one even challenges date these him dating these <laughs> literally they were just teenagers yesterday like can we please get a grip can we please get a grip? And like, I also think about jealousy as an aspect in these relationships. Um, I mean, we saw the recent divorce documents leak that alleged that Iman Shumpert was jealous of Tiana Taylor, you know, during their marriage. I know they're going through their um, their separation right now. And he did things to dim her light. And folks have also talked about envy and control in a lot of situations namely with Kiki Palmer and Darius Jackson. And it feels like something that a lot of women know happens, but a lot of men can be oblivious to. And hell, I'm even even a lot of women can be oblivious to the fact that, you know, jealousy is a dangerous red flag if you fucking with the wrong one, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, are there any stories that you've seen that feel like whether they're in the vein of like jealousy or not but like that you know that you've covered in the past that feel like red flags that we've seen play out in 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 recent history as far as jealousy it can be it can be about jealousy or not because i think there are a lot of red flags that you know we kind of see even you know thinking back to how we talk about like how we talk about and cover Tina Turner in her story and, and how, you know, literally such an icon and gave us so much, but we gave her so little in, you know, in, in terms of peace and respect and owning her own narrative. Yes. I was just about to say the word respect because it's looking back. And I also had to like, look at myself because I've, I think I've played into it, not even realizing how detrimental those types of jokes could be. Ike is used as like a joke in um, music now. It's actually really crazy that we're making fun of her being beat. I really had to stop and think about that once. I I don't remember when I came to this realization, but like that, can can we curse? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't understand (laughs) how fucked up that really was um, to even though you don't realize it when you're just singing the song, because, oh, I'm just singing a song. But no, you're you're doing a little more. And that's kind of part of the reason why Tina took a step back, partially from the Black community, <laughs> because um, we weren't really giving her the support that she needed. Um, not at the time, and not clearly not years later, if we're still making jokes about it in song. And then for Tiana and Iman, um, that situation actually really surprised me because I, those, I was just one of the couples that I really liked. They just seemed like they had such fun together and, um, not saying they didn't have fun together. Sometimes people just don't work out, but to know that she still supported him afterwards, like, cause it said that she filed for divorce all the way back in January for her to still like have his back and not try to like, um, whenever someone would try to demean him or anything or talk down about him. I remember she put up a put out a post that was like, ah, 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 not too much on my bestie. Like she was still like having his back, even though he was the cause of uh, allegedly, I don't know, of all the things that um, 
cause them to separate and then divorce. I don't know, does she get praised for that on the internet or are we only looking at the negative aspects? And then with, um, who'd we say, Megan, again, Megan only mentioned the cheating, never mentioned his name, nothing. <laughs> um, people shitted on her for that. I mean, people have been against Megan for some reason since she came out. I don't know why she just, she seems like a cool girl. She seems to support the other girlies. Um, you know, she advocates for mental health. But um, as soon as he came out with his diss record, everybody was like, listen, she he dissed her respectfully. Wasn't respectfully, though, because <laughs> to me, Megan's was respectful. It's just so late, especially because, you know, you're right. We oftentimes always are protecting men at our own expense, you know, like, and of course, we're talking about a lot of, you know, like, heteronormative relationships here. But like, that really has been the dynamic for ages for ages. And it really, it really does make me sad, you know, because even with all of like, that respect and that like trying to control our narrative while also speaking our voice, it always it feels like blows back on us and we're always the ones to take the the grunt like into you know I don't want to harp too much on this because I know that she wants to leave it in the past but like that's that's how we saw you know the situation with the um Tory Lanez trial play out and Megan trying to protect him initially especially (laughs) especially at the height of you know, like the, the protests in 2020, being mindful of that and being my, but the, that mindfulness is not, it's just never extended. And I know never is an absolutist word. My therapist right. tells me not to use them at the same time. <laughs> it feels like it's never extended to us. And that can be not only just like draining to see constantly these stories in, 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 and see not only the stories but also the response from people that we know and don't know and it's like well where the hell can I be protected because I don't have nearly as much money fame Mm -hmm, bodyguards mm -hmm. nothing you know it's sad because the internet makes up a big part of our culture um and I think these discussions um, and these stories that come out about these celebrities, they then, tr- they then trickle down and then conversations lead to, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts of dating today and how, you know, how we should be treating women and how we should be treating our men and da, 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 da. And this is why I'll, why I'll never date this type of woman and da, 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 da. And this is why I don't date black, you know, it's like, we shouldn't even be having those conversations. We should be having conversations that uplift our community instead of just tearing us down all the time. Tell us what you do love about, um, I don't know, black women, black men. That's what we should be glorifying. And I don't know. I just hate that we tear each other down. We don't do it all the time. I don't want to say that's all we do because we definitely don't. We do know how to celebrate each other. Um, I just wish we did it more. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm definitely in agreement of that. And I want to, I want to put a pin in that because I want to talk about that a little bit, but I want to talk about the lawsuits against Diddy specifically after he and Cassie reached the settlement the very next day after her lawyers filed one on her behalf. Two other women filed sexual assault lawsuits against the mogul. Macy's announced that they're phasing out Sean John. He steps down as chairman of Revolt. And this doesn't seem like the end of the reckoning against Diddy, but it does bring up a question because, you know, this isn't the, he's not the first one at the same time. It does feel like it takes so much more for people to like, even listen. And like you said, not bring up the question of why now for those who are accusing, I I saw slim thug and others, bring up that when Cassie first filed the lawsuit but start asking the question to alleged abusers of like why and what's wrong with you you know and I want to know like for that specific story how have you seen maybe a, a change or maybe not a change in how people have been talking about it 
now versus when the lawsuit first dropped? I hate to say it, but I don't think I've seen a change, uh, to be honest. My first reaction, and I don't know if it's the correct reaction, um, when uh, they settled the case, when they reached an agreement, um, I was like, damn, that was fast. And it was just because it was fast. It was the, it was the very next day. Uh, what you had mentioned before, um, the conversations that come out, like, why now? I, I think that's such a disrespectful question uh, to victims. Because like you said, the question shouldn't be why now? It should be why did it happen in the first place? Um, instead of talking to the victim, talk to the alleged abuser um, and ask them why. Why did you do it? Not why are you coming out about it now? It shouldn't matter if they came about it, if they came out about it the day of or 20 years later. It's still something <laughs> that stays with the person. What people don't realize is that uh, sexual assault, domestic abuse, that all stays with you. It doesn't just stay with you for a month and then you're, oh, I'm healed, whatever. It stays with you. It can invoke um, internal fear in you, um, anxiety, and all these things that you live with for years. Even though it happened years ago to Cassie, she was living with it for all those years. Some of the questions um, just like shouldn't be asked to victims. And like, um, I've always hated the question, well, what were you wearing? That shouldn't matter. <laughs> that should not matter. The question <laughs> should be, why are you hitting this woman? Why are you trying to touch this unconscious woman? When it comes to conversations around any type of abuse like that, I don't think it's changed at all. If anything, it's kind of gotten worse. But I am happy that um, the kind of snowball effect happens when one person um, gets the courage to do it. It allows other victims to um, find that courage as well and do it. So that I do like about it. But um, the initial conversation that happens around these cases, it's still sad. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, um, there's a line in the Barbie movie when Ken goes into the real world and he's trying to find a job with no credentials. And he goes up to like some random exec and is like, hey, can I get a job? And he's like, no. He's like, but I'm a man. And he's like, well, you know, uh, he's like, but I'm a man, patriarchy. Da, da, da. He's like, you know, we still do that, but we just do a better job of hiding it. It makes me feel like, okay, are we actually pushing the needle forward at all in kind of like raising awareness of what consent is, how to handle and talk about sexual assault um, and, and how to, you know, treat accusers versus how we treat you know the alleged abusers it, it just feels like there's more insidious behavior or more past for insidious behavior to happen behind closed doors and in ways that we can't always quite tell or call out you know right um because i also think that um another thing people don't always take into consideration is that when you're dealing with someone with a lot of money, a lot of status, a lot of power. Um, there's a lot of intimidation that goes into that and they can be um, scared <laughs> into speaking out. Um, so that's, that could be a factor um, with a lot of these cases, these high profile cases um, as a reason why people don't speak out um, sooner than later. Um, and when you brought up Slim Thug, I think he had said like, oh, women should only have like a, or victims should only have a year or I don't know, he, he actually like named the timeline for when people can speak out. And I just think that's so crazy because <laughs> if they don't speak out during that time, then they just have to be silent, silenced forever, which leads the abuser to do it again um, to someone else. If, if that victim didn't speak out in time. And um, I don't know, it just, it's, it's so strange to me, the, the things that people think. And I don't want to like shit on people because sometimes that's just how your brain works when you when you hear these types of stories um and sometimes people have experienced it in their own lives and don't really know how to feel for other people because they didn't get the help they needed um there's a lot of things to consider and people don't think about all these things and that goes back to what i was saying earlier when we see you know people just are who know us who we see on the internet following the internet whatever when we see them shitting on celebrities who may be in similar situations that we mm -hmm. were in like it discourages you when you have like less visibility less resources to actually 
speak up and say something or do something, you know, like Slim Thug saying that there should be a statute of limitations, like, okay, you're no better than the old crusty white men who... <laughs> who we elected in office to control, you know, to control women's body. You're no better than them, you know, in that sense. And I know that a lot of it is conditioning. It's how society Mm -hmm. has, you know, brought up, especially depending on where you're from is how society has, you know, brought you up and raised you to, to view, you know, uh, quote unquote gender roles or you know who has power in society and who doesn't like that's why you know this or who shouldn't or who shouldn't (laughs) or who shouldn't and that's really tea you know that's why like the adult survivors act passing or you know having having that window for survivors to speak out against the statute of limitations like I think that's so powerful and that's something that you know needs to happen more because it takes a lot to even process trauma like if you don't even know what sexual assault is like I'm I'm thinking about like someone who just like has no idea what sexual assault is at all like on the on the base level and how how much of a spectrum it can be they might not even realize that they've been sexually assaulted yeah I think we all go to like the the worst thing possible that we can think of so if someone's like oh um you know they they were saying sexual things to me at work oh that's not a big deal he didn't touch you it's like (laughs) but it's still a big deal he made me uncomfortable these stories that we talked about today they range from experiencing a bad partner that just isn't showing up for you in the way that you need to be shown up for to alleged emotional physical sexual abuse it all matters but why is how we talk about these stories important um because it can shift your narrative it, it can shift the way that you view it especially if it's coming from someone that you know if it's coming from a friend um it might be able to shift the way you think about it and shift the way that you view women the way you view men the internet is a very big thing in our culture it's very influential Um, And not just like black culture in society in general, um, the internet plays a big role in what we think, how we dress, how we talk. Um, It's a big thing. So if we can change the way we speak about it, it would help other people change the way they think about it. Um, And that might help change how people approach these different situations. So I think it's a it's a snowball effect <laughs> of what can happen if we change the way we speak about it. I'm with you when you're right, friend. I'm with you <laughs> when you're right. <laughs> this is a heavy topic, a heavy conversation. And one thing that I, you know, admire about the women that we've talked about here today, be it Cassie, Meg, Jada, these women are taking control of their narratives. You know, you have even from Jump Kiki selling I'm a mother shirts. You have Meg getting on wax, making what was probably one of her most vulnerable and hard hitting, you know, singles to date independently outside of her, you know, previous label. And Jada telling her story in unapologetically so and very much being like she's good. I'm wondering, is there one that hits home for you of a woman taking control of her own narrative? And I'm I'm going to say mine after you, but I'm going to let you go ahead and go first. I, probably the one that stands out to me the most would probably be Kiki, only because she has, <laughs> she's um, like transformed the conversation into um either something that she can, I don't want to say poke fun at, but kind of in her own way, because she's doing it. Like you said, with the shirts, she's creating her narrative. She's changing the tone of the conversation with what she puts out there. Um, So yeah, I would use her as an example, because even then a lot of these women tried to protect these men at first. And I think that is not being viewed or like under a big scope that, (laughs) and it should be because, they all tried to make it either go away or tried to work it out with that partner. The abuse, the alleged abuse 
was happening before we even knew about it. She tried to prevent that from coming out, stayed with them, whatever, for the family, whatever her decision was. Um, and yes, yeah, so I don't know. With everything that she's been through, even with the whole Trey Songs thing, people... <laughs> Girl, that was a whole other thing. That was horrible. She went on Wendy. She went on Wendy Williams and Wendy was like, girl, I don't believe you. And Kiki said, you were not there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's because we have this image of the men. Um, But yeah, so like, I don't know. I think Kiki is just, they're all just strong women and they're all just focusing on moving on with their careers. And she did it in a way that she added to her career um so yeah i think she's my example <laughs> yeah i love that well, look we stand kiki i think this is um this is a situation um from years ago but when um when jay-z was cheating on beyonce and she didn't say nothing about it. she put it on wax mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we got lemonade we Hello? got lemonade <laughs> she said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna extend this mrs carter world tour i'm gonna take my baby and i'm gonna write about it and i'm gonna make lemonade and you're gonna make 444 and we're gonna come together and we're gonna make the carters and go on okay. tour and we're gonna Genius. because because all of this shit you know you wouldn't be nothing without me and that's no shade to to jay-z that is no shade to jay-z but if they got a divorce he would take a bigger hit than she would Mm. i think i will say that's one situation where people rode for beyonce people rode for beyonce absolutely beyonce absolutely so that was one time when people automatically just went to the woman's side and that was a beautiful moment. And yes, this was a, this is a great example. I'm glad you brought up me. This is a great example. Oh my God. Yeah. Love her. I think you dropped a lot of gems, but is there any guidance that you have for people as they consume news and talk about news and do it, whether it be over a dinner at brunch with friends or on social media how can we approach these stories with more compassion especially for those who you know are accusers survivors victims one i think it's always good to try and look at the whole story um when you're consuming news online um i know a lot of us are good for just looking at the headline and taking that for what it is without ever even clicking into the story. Do your research, again, if you're consuming the news online, so you can hear both sides. And I think um, the language you use, it shouldn't be so decisive if you don't have all the information because people are very influenced online. So if you say something, if enough people say it, people start to believe it. Um, So just always have your facts. If you're talking with friends, again, try to hear all sides. Uh, whether it be, you know, how you're addressing the woman in the whatever situation it is, or the man in whatever situation it is, just be careful and mindful of the language you're using. Um, And I don't know, I just feel like research is really the biggest, (laughs) the biggest key, do your research. Don't just go off of one headline or one tweet that you saw from an unverified source because it's usually never that there's usually always more to the story and going on more to the story. There will always be things about a case about these celebrities, about people, even about your own friends and family that you will never know. There's always things that you will never know um, because people do not put all their information out there. Um, When it comes to cases like this, it's only facts that you should know and that's about it. Um, But people should just, I don't know, do their research, please. And be mindful. People, we're humans at the end of the day. <laughs> we have feelings and emotions. Um, these celebrities do. They're not, they're not like subhuman. So, you know, be mindful of how you talk about them too, because, you know, some people say, oh, no, I don't read the comments. But some of them do. Um, and it's not right. We shouldn't treat them like they are either above us or less than us or like they can't feel when we talk about them in a disrespectful way because um, they can and yeah, I don't know. We should just be nicer. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, be nice. Let them know more again. Let them know. In the in the spirit of Beyonce Day, of Beyonce Week, 
in the spirit of just Beyonce, you know, I I have to say, I <clears throat> let me put on my voice. <laughs> I'm thankful for you, Morgan. <laughs> and I'm thankful for Blue Ivy. I'm thankful for my mother. I'm thankful for my listeners. I can't. Um, <laughs> No, but seriously, I could sit and really talk to you about this all day, but we have to wrap this convo and pivot to a sec. Yes, we have to pivot to a segment that I like to call, tell me something I don't know. Now, the internet is full of things that I didn't know. I, I just didn't know, child. So each week I share what I learned on the interwebs. Usually it's TikTok. And my guests tell me what and my guests tell me what they learned. I'll go ahead and kick it off. I learned that in order for them to build Drake's massive Toronto mansion that to me is very much an eyesore, contractors had to actually tear down a historic home built by a pioneering architect by the names of James A. Murray. Like apparently it was a big deal. The neighbors were pissed. The it, it's three stories high. It's higher than what the zone permits. The gate is apparently higher than what the zone permits. The driveway is wider by like nearly three times or more than what the zone permits. And Drake basically had to pull out his lawyers and security guards because it's it's apparently like the fucking fortress there in order to have that ugly ass home built. And I'm just like, I I sat and I watched like a five part video about it last night. And I was like, is this real? And because, because I, I do my fact checking, I looked it up and it is very much real. And I'm like, Drake, you ain't had nothing better to do. Right. There was nowhere else. You could have lived. <laughs> Not you tearing down history right. to build this ugly ass home. I did not know that. That's crazy. But that I want to know. Crazy. Yeah, I want to know what you learned this week on the internet. So here's what I learned on the internet. And it's kind of Drake adjacent because we were just talking about it. So Spotify rap was actually the idea for it. Like all the new graphics that we see and like what it is today. That was birthed by a black woman her name is jewel ham um and she got the idea while she was an intern at spotify in 2019 i think um so that is what i learned and i just had to say go girl to her because that is amazing people look forward to spotify rap every year um and to think that she is the brainchild behind it i mean we literally keep this society going it- crazy we keep the culture moving um so shout out to you jewel because you did a great job <laughs> shout out to jewel every time spotify rap comes around i i see somebody retweet that tweet from her and oh, that was i'm just my first like, time seeing it really <laughs> nice <laughs> Not, and, but like see that's important because people need to know and like jewel like huge shout out to you spotify owes you your coin girl we respect you. We salute you. And see, that's another reason why y'all just need to stop playing on black women's names because we mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. are keeping this world on its axis. Like, yes. <laughs> before we get out of here, Morgan, mm-hmm. I want you to let the people know, A, where they can find you, and B, mm-hmm. what's getting you through the week. So you can find me on Instagram at, at Morgan underscore Taylor, and Taylor is spelled T-A-Y-L-E-R. My mom, you know, was trying to be different, you know, black parents. Um, Taylor with an E. And um on Twitter, my handle is at respect the gap. You know, because I have a gap. Um, and it's like respect the gap. No, it's respect the underscore underscore gap. I think that's what it is. I think it's two underscores. Um and that's yeah, that's really Twitter and Instagram. That's all you really need. Um, and what's getting me through the week, the fact that I'm going to see Beyonce tomorrow, the film. <laughs> I didn't get a chance <laughs> to go to the concert. Um, I can't wait for you to see it, girl. I was I, crying. I was crying. I, good yeah. I cried. 
heard nothing but good things. And then to think that she was able to direct, produce all this stuff while being on tour and then putting out this film, she's just a genius. I can't wait. She she's remarkable yeah me and my mom I can't wait <laughs> I love that you're going to see it with your mom I, I think that's my girl it, it'll be that's a special it'll be a special moment or two in there for y'all yeah thanks again thank you so much for having me yeah we got we're gonna do this again That's the show, y'all. Another shout out to Morgan for joining me this week. And thank you all for listening. As always, I want to know what y'all want to hear on the show. So if there's a topic or story you want me to explore on here, hit me up at underscore tearing it up. This show is produced by ACAST and recorded right here in Brooklyn, New York, baby. Until next time. Bye, y'all.